not we ask for utterance to speak as we ought to speak. Give us ears to hear what you're saying to us today. That in that hearing, faith might arise. Revelation might come. And through that revelation and faith coming, there'll be breakthrough in areas of our life that we truly might experience those turning point moments. Those moments of significant change. Seeing everything come together. Our life be fully filled with all that you have prepared for us. That we might see that you have been preparing us for this very time. That we might occupy it and not be occupied by it. So Holy Spirit, speak to us today. Anoint us. Prepare us. For this is our day. This is the day of the church. This is our season, our time. To be a light in the midst of darkness. So we thank you for ministering to every heart, ministering to every life by your word and your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Why don't you look at somebody next and say, greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. You can be seated. Praise the Lord. It's great to be with you all this morning. I believe God has some things uh, that are very important. Uh, for us right now, and uh, so I want to get right into it. We have a, a lot of things to do. Our fifth grade, we want to acknowledge this graduation. We talk about turning points, and we've had graduation time here, and it doesn't matter. Just congratulate a young man graduated uh, from college and uh, high school graduations, and all those, you know, we talk about turning point moments. Those are turning point moments. Graduation is a, a, a moment of significant change in life, moving on. Uh, to the next thing that God has for you. And so there's always things that are going on if we recognize what God is doing, that there's something going on, there's a significance to our life. And so uh, we have that coming up. But I want to share this with you today. I believe, you know, even in first service, it's very important for us to look at. And as we've been talking about, God help me. And so if you've been wondering, you know, we, we just started off a little bit slow, just talking about God help me, people crying out for help, seeing uh, what help is. The, the point of where we're going, uh, and we'll embellish or we'll expound upon it, is we already have help. That he's an ever-present help in time of need. So we're looking for help in places, but help exists. And the help for us exists in the person of the Holy Spirit of God, the person of the Holy Spirit. So uh, open your Bibles with me to Psalms 121. I want to read a few scriptures to you and then share some things that I believe God put on my heart that will help you. It'll help at least some of you. Some of you, it might throw you off course um, uh, if you don't understand, but we're praying that we'll hear what the Spirit of God is saying. Psalms 121 verse 1, it says, I looked up to the mountains, this passage is translation, I looked up to the mountains and the hills longing for God's help. But then I realized that our true help and protection come only from the Lord, our creator who made the heavens and the earth. He will guard and guide me. That word guide means to lead. He will guard and lead me, never letting me stumble or fall. God is my keeper. He will never forget or ignore me. Highlight, underline, stumble or fall. As we've gone through this particular start of this series of messages, we read scriptures from the very beginning. It seems like we keep coming upon this. God does not want us to stumble. He does not want us to fall. 
even though we know that, that though, though there's many afflictions of the righteous, the Lord delivers us out of them all, right? We're getting up people when we do fall, but it's not God's will that we stumble through life. And so Second Peter, he begins, Second Peter, he begins uh, that whole writing to them. He says, listen, God has given to us everything that pertains to life and godliness. People are looking around and go, man, I need something more. He's given us everything that we need that pertains to life and godliness through the knowledge of him. Just think, knowing him makes us know his bigness, know his provision, know his power, know his wisdom, know his knowledge. So he's done everything, right? He sent Jesus to the cross, death, burial, and resurrection. Had the Holy Spirit breathe on men of old to write down everything that we need to know. He put gifts into men to bring a message to us. He's done everything that he could to get the knowledge of him to us so that through that knowledge of him, we could start partaking of everything that we need for life and godliness. He says, when you get this and understand God did it by his own glory and virtue, nobody twisted his arm. He wants you to know him. He wants you to intimately know him. He wants you to have faith in him through the knowledge of him. So your trust is in him, not yourself, not in your own ability, but you have trust in him. And so then he says, if you have this faith in God, add to your faith, or one way of translating that from the Greek is, find within your faith in what Jesus did for you, virtue. And in virtue, right, knowledge, knowledge, self-control, self-control, perseverance, perseverance, godliness, godliness, brotherly kindness, and in brotherly kindness, love. If these things are yours and abound, you'll be neither barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. He just said everything that we need for life and godliness is ours through the knowledge of him. Then he gives us a list of things to implement in our life. And he says, you'll have be, be totally fruitful if you work these things into your life in the knowledge of him. Boom, he connects the dots. But if you lack these things, you're short-sighted even to blindness and forget that you are cleansed of your past sin, Right? So we have a state in Christianity that we call being backslidden. I won't ask you to raise your hand, but most of us have been backslidden, right? You're charging on for God, things happen, and because we haven't developed perseverance, we haven't developed godliness, we haven't developed the right moral standard for our life yet, we go, too much pressure, and we fall back into sin. And then we come back and we repent, and then we fall back. Why? Why? Because these things aren't ours and abounding, and when they're not, we forget that we've overcome that, so we fall back into that. So, so you're short-sighted, even to blindness, forgot that you were cleansed from your past sin. But if these things are yours and abound, you will never stumble. You'll never stumble. So as I'm preparing these messages and looking at stuff, stuff that we've taught before, things about the Holy Spirit... I was questioning God, just getting reports back from people, some great reports for people, other things. People are stumbling. Anybody ever stumbled through life, stumbled over things, stumbled over issues? You're doing great for God. All of a sudden, something happens, and now you're questioning. You're stumbling through life. He doesn't want us to stumble. So I was, what about this? What about this, God? What about this uh, situation? I was earnestly seeking him, seeking him about some situations where we're at, situations that I've heard, situations in the church. And this is what came up on the inside of me. The Holy Spirit said, I can't get my people to follow me. Can't get my people to follow me. I said, well, now wait a minute. Wait a minute. We have a good portion of people 
They're coming. They're coming on a regular basis. I know they're studying your word. They're hearing what we're saying. They've got a prayer time. We've been pressing into prayer. They're following you. They're, doing, they're following instructions. They're doing some things right. He said, no, they're not following me. You don't know what I mean. I'm going to read a couple of scriptures, then I'm going to get back to that. All right. So in John, the 14th chapter, starting in the 10th verse, Jesus said this. Uh, uh, Philip had just said, show us the Father. And this was Jesus' response. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The, works that I, uh, the words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me, you highlight that, underline that, dwells in me, does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. So right here he's saying, listen, if you look at the outward man and you look at those things and look at the works, you'll think I'm doing it. But the thing that you don't see from the outward is it's not me doing it. It's the Spirit in me doing it. So there's a divine union that is causing the works that I do to take place. So lots of times we look at it and we go, listen, we're in the last days, man. The works that Jesus did, we got to get about. We got to be doing the works of Jesus. And immediately we're thinking if, we could, if it could be seen outwardly, we got to do the works of Jesus. And forget that Jesus said the works that you're seeing, it's not me outwardly doing the works alone, but the works are being done by the one working in me the one working in me. So there's a divine union. In order to get done what Jesus did, to see that manifestation, we have to understand a little bit about the one in him. He said, the, 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 it's him that the Father in me. Well, the Father in him is the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God in him. So he said, if you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he will abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and he will be in you. So he said, you know him. You've watched. I just said, you watched the works that I did. You saw that I'm in the father. The father's in me. And so if you believe this and you embrace me as I've embraced the father and you decide to live life this way and get into the rhythm of life the way that I have, then I'll send the same one in me doing the works in me to live in you to do the same works. But you can't just think he's with you. You got to know he's in you. There's an embracing. There's a oneness that takes place. Not you doing it, but him doing it in you. And there's a number of things that he's going to do in us and to understand what he's going to do in us. You know, that word helper means paraclete, one called alongside, one called close to, one, uh, an advocate, uh, a counselor, a consoler. You know, we go through different things. We have all kinds of different counselors and they, they, they study and do all that. And that's all great. Don't, don't anybody misunderstand me. But what God wants is to us to know that the counselor lives on the inside of us. The consoler, when things have gone on in your life, he knows what happened. He knows why it happened. He knows who did it. He knows where you fell short, and he can console you and get you right back on the right track. When somebody else doesn't know maybe the truth of that. Maybe your emotions get in the way you tell them, and they just say, well, this is somebody else's issue. But no, he knows that. 
counseling you. He knows, he knows who your husband is. He knows who your wife is. He knows who your children are. He knows who your employer is. He knows where you live. He knows the situation of life. He knows their politics. He knows how much money you make. He knows who you're going to meet. He knows who's, who's hurt you, who you've hurt, who everybody, what situation you're in. He knows it all. He knows it. We think he doesn't. We're like, could you uh, just, just look at what has happened to me? He's like, you think I don't know? That's how we forget God and get the situation. We're like, God, you need to help me with this situation. Don't you know? He's like, I know. I knew before it ever happened. And if you would have been in the right rhythm with me, we would have moved around some things. And so we have the Word of God, and the Word of God, we hear it, and we understand, and we get the principles, and we know the, what the fruit of the Spirit are, and how they're supposed to act, and the gifts of the Spirit. And we know that we have wisdom, and we have knowledge, and there's certain action that we're supposed to take, and some routines that we've gotten into, and we get up in the morning, and we pray, and, and we work on these steps, and these things that we need to do, and it's all good. It's all good. Because otherwise, we just follow our flesh. So Romans, the eighth chapter, starting in the ninth verse, he says, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he, he who raised up Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal body through his spirit who dwells in you. In other words, if you start to realize this, get ready to be quickened. Get ready to be energized. Get ready to have a different insight and a different view of life. Because you've been being led around by something else. You've been being led around by your flesh, which is led by sin. He says that in Ephesians chapter 2. We all once were dictated to or led by the spirit of this world that dominates those who have fallen under the disobedience of Adam. Which we all once did that. But see, when we're cleansed and we know we're cleansed from that past sin, we're no longer under the flesh and what dominates the flesh, but we live in the spirit and we are guided by that. He goes on to say this, uh, uh, therefore, brethren, we are not debtors to follow the flesh and to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you by the spirit put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. This is what he says This is what he says, live, live, right? That's what we want. We want to live. We want to live life to the full. So many people complaining about life. It's not quite what they expected, but he has life to the overflow, life to the full. Well, why isn't it happening for me? About to get into that. For as many as are led, somebody say led. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom you cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. So he says, if we're led by the spirit, if we understand we're no longer led by the old nature, but we've received of the spirit of God. And we understand that we receive from the spirit of God. The old man is dead. He no longer guides us. He no longer leads us, but a new man has emerged by which the spirit of God dwells in us so that the life that we now live, as Paul said, I live by faith in the son of God. 
right? I live by trusting in the Spirit of God within me so that the works that he did, I do also. But how do I do that? The same way he did, by the Spirit that dwells within. So I'm working in unison with the Spirit within. So the Spirit of God says to me, people are stumbling or they're struggling because they haven't learned to follow me. So uh, I said, well, you're going to have to explain that to me because I think there's a good number of people following you. And so John, um, why don't you stand up? And so I asked John this question first service. So he's, he's, he's a little bit, he, he's got to fake it a little bit this service because he already knows what's going on. But he doesn't have to fake this. You trust me? I do, sir. All right. Then follow me. And so most of us look at that, and that's how we think about following. And so when I say people are coming to church, they're doing what's right, they're reading their Bible, they're praying, uh, uh, they're going to meetings, well, I'm following him. But he said, that's, that's not what I mean. There's a different kind of leading and following. I said, okay. So he started bringing some things to my remembrance. And this is what he was talking about. Put your hand in mine. Put up on my shoulder. All right, one, two, three. Okay, you can be seated. So John's a pretty compliant thing, but we didn't do good because we were stumbling on each other, and I was stepping on his feet a little bit. He was trying to figure out where to go. So I just used that to get into your thinking. He was saying there's a different kind of following. And so I remember there's been different occasions where Tasha and I were able to, to go. We went on a cruise one time, and, you know, they have all kinds of activities. So they, they had a, a, a ballroom dancing class. And so we went and thought this would be fun. So we listened. They, you know, they demonstrated all the steps there. So we learned the step. Now, now you're going to get to do it. And so remember, one of you leads, one of you follows. And that's all. You, okay, okay, okay. Um, but if you're not used to following... And I'm not saying Tasha's not used to following, but we hadn't learned to dance yet, right? And so, you know, we learn the steps, and so we start off, and they do the count, and we start off, and we get a couple steps, and then all of a sudden, she's going left, and I'm going right. So the instructor would come back over and say, no, one of you have to lead, and one of you has to follow. All right, what do you want to do? I'll follow. She said, I'll follow. Okay, so we start again. We start going. She's like, no, you shouldn't have gone that way. The teaching went that way. I'm like, yeah, but I was going that way. Right? And so we, time went by. We went to another deal, and they had a demonstration, you know, of these, this ballroom dancing. It was cool. And then they said, well, if you want to learn, come out here. And, and then they showed us. We were just a little bit better with some understanding. But the Holy Spirit started to unveil this to me. And so I never thought that I would uh, preach the gospel according to ballroom dancing. <laughs> but, you know, Jesus used different things, and he said, the kingdom of God is like a farmer. The kingdom of God... Paul said it's like athletes, and so the kingdom of God may be like ballroom dancing. The kingdom of God may be like ballroom dancing. So listen, I know I've talked about this before. I remember I talked about being debt-free, and it was about the blood of Jesus. People kept talking about financially being debt-free, different things. You know, people, my family gets around, I'll preach a message, and what I, you know, the point of the message they'll kind of talk about or make jokes of. I want you to pay attention. I believe the Spirit of God is saying something to us today that's incredibly important in where we go. 
So even the other day as I was looking at this, I was asking some questions about this. You know, we've, the last couple of Sundays, uh, there's been some unique things. You know, a, a few Sundays ago, the Lord had me sing. That was not really uh, in my comfort zone. And then he moved after that. He ministered to a couple people in a certain way. Last Sunday, uh, we came out of worship. He ministered to somebody. I heard later <clears throat> that the words that I said were exactly what one person had said to God. I said, now, man, that's, that's super accurate. How does that happen? He said, because you listen to me. You listen to me. And so when we look at all the different things that, whether it's add to your faith, virtue, virtue, knowledge, whether it's love, joy, peace, goodness, whether it's word of wisdom, word of knowledge, gifts of miracles, working miracles, discerning of spirits, those are all things that God's brought into our life so that we can manage the rhythms of life. The rhythms of life are always changing. Yet we don't know the rhythms of life are going to change. You may wake up tomorrow, and I'm telling you, you know what? It might be, whoo, celebrate good times, come on. And man, you're off to your Monday like, woo-hoo-hoo. And somebody else might wake up and go, Monday, Monday. Can't trust that day. And you're like, so we're not all in one box. We're not all in one situation, yet the principles are the same, and we get hung up. I can't love today, because it's Monday. Woo, but we can rejoice, celebrate good time. Well, wait a minute. Love, joy, peace, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. They exist no matter what the rhythm, what the situation. The application is a little bit different. The gifts and the manifestation of the Spirit are there. So when we run into people, there can be a benefit and a profit to others by the Spirit of God moving through us. The wisdom and knowledge and understanding of God is there to, to navigate situations of life. Yet we get locked into the principle and practicing that and say, listen, it's got to play my tune just right. And we get into the rhythms of life and we come to church and we practice. And we're like, whew, after that worship, I'm ready. I mean, I could lay hands on the sick. But then you get out on Monday and somebody says, I'm feeling bad. And you're like, I need that song. I need that. If we could just have praise and worship right here, I could pray for him. So no, it's a different rhythm. It's a different rhythm. And so it's like ballroom dancing. So I had to dive into this a little bit. So this is not the Bible. I got this off the internet. But we're going to look at, just like Jesus used some parables, we're going to use a parable of ballroom dancing. All right, so let's just start because we've got to get done here real quick. Whew, we might be running a little late. It says, the most difficult thing to master in ballroom dance, salsa, tango, swing, Latin, or any other kind of partner dancing is not the steps, it's interacting with your partner. So we come to church, we're like, I got all the steps, I got all the steps, but you have a partner, and the most important thing is interacting with your partner correctly. Who's your partner? The Holy Ghost. He's your partner. So you got to learn to go with him. Leading and following in the is the secret to getting two partners dancing smoothly together. It's simply impossible for two people dancing in close contact to move seamlessly if each person makes their own decisions, chooses their own timing, and does their steps independently. They must coordinate their moves perfectly, and the only way to achieve that is for one person to direct the moves and the other person to follow. 
Come on. So we're like, I got all the steps. I know when I want to love. I know when I want to have joy. I want to know when I have peace. And so come on, Holy Spirit, help me. You live in me. Come on, Holy Spirit. And he's like, all right, one, two, three. And we go, let's love. And he says, let's have joy. And we're stumbling because we want our decisions, our timing. You ever wonder why it wasn't your timing? Why he didn't agree with your decisions? Why he didn't move with you? Because one has to lead and one has to follow. And there's significance in this. All right, stay with me. Dances like these we just named. Uh, are first and foremost, they're social dances. So on stage, if you have a choreographed dance, he says your partner and you know exactly the steps to take so you can practice together until you, perfect, you are perfectly in sync. So you see these people dancing on stage and they all got the, per- the same move and they're, part- they're doing a performance. But he said this kind of dancing is social dancing. You go out and, and the music changes and the rhythm changes, right? And so he says the social dancing, there is no set routine. The dancers, uh, the dancers imp- improvise their steps according to the music being played. Obviously, if both partners tried to do that, it would be a recipe for chaos. It makes sense to appoint one person to decide what the steps will be, and the other person follows. This concept is lead and follow. So, according to the scripture, the Holy Spirit leads, we follow. Who leads? That's the question. Well, we did that. In a partner dance, one partner is facing, listen to this, one partner is facing forward while the other has their back to the direction of travel. Obviously, the person who should lead is the person who can see where they're going. This is, in fact, the rule. So Jesus said the Holy Spirit's going to come and he's going to help you. He's going to show you things to come. So if he can see forward into the future and you keep looking backwards, he should lead. He should lead. Praise the Lord. What's confusing is that you go to class and learn a routine. So when it comes to practicing them with a partner, why not dance the steps exactly as you have learned them? So we come to church, we come to Bible school, we learn the principles. If you say the word, you hear the word, you believe the word, we get the principles, we know what they are. We come in a situation and say, why doesn't it work just like this? Why doesn't it work just like this? We learned it in the classroom, it should go just like this. The only problem is your family wasn't having a difficult time while you were studying in Bible school. You didn't get a bunch of bills in the mail while you were practicing in Bible school. All these are important, but listen. See, we want that. Why can't it be exactly like I want it to right now? Because it's like ballroom dancing. The reason is that you progress. You'll learn that partner dancing isn't about set routines. Routines are just a way to teach you the individual steps and get you used to how they combine in different ways. The steps are set. 
We get class, we get routine, we hear that. So we know how they can combine into a certain thing. When we know that, we're flexible. When we know that, we're able to trust the one who sees forward. Knowing we know the steps, we've learned the steps, but they might come in a different order and combination if we follow the one who sees where we're going. All right, where was I at? When you go social dancing, you'll be dancing with a partner you haven't learned, uh, who hasn't learned the same routines as you, and you may put the steps together in a completely different order. That's why it's important to get used to following, uh, right, get used to following right from the start. Even when you know the routine, because learning to allow, even when you know the routine, because learning to allow your partner to lead isn't easy. So we all get saved and we do our own thing for a long time and then we learn, oh, I'm supposed to follow the Holy Spirit. He says it's not easy to learn this. It's not easy to trust this, but it's necessary. Because learning, uh, if you don't practice it, if you don't practice it constantly, you won't be able to switch it. You won't be able to switch it on suddenly when you need it. He said if you don't practice constantly, you can't just switch it on when you need it. Too many Christians are going about day-to-day life, the rhythms of life, leading their own way. Something happens, a different rhythm, a different routine, and they're like, help me, Holy Spirit, and he's trying, but you haven't practiced. Starting today, I want us to practice. Practice, practice, practice. Don't get in too much of a hurry. Practice. Listen. I want to go this. No, 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 no. Wait on him. We're going this way. This step first. Then this step. Then that step. Practice. Practice. Too much going on. Too much busyness. Too many voices. Too much. I want to celebrate. I want a fast pace. He says, slow it down and follow me. I don't want you to miss what's about to happen. If you're following correctly, you won't take a step until your partner tells you to. He may do it. He may do that by pressure with his hand, by shifting his weight, or even by making a hand signal. But whatever the signal is, you must follow instantly. Practice and you will be able to respond in a split second so fast that the audience won't even notice a delay. If you go on and you watch this, they hook up together and the leader is leading. And once they start, they may lock up like this, but all of a sudden he draws his partner into himself. And they start to move seamlessly as one. And the Holy Spirit says, if you'll come to follow me, I'll draw you into myself. And we will begin to flow as one. And the works that he did, even greater works than these will you do. Because he went to the Father and he sent me to dwell in you just as I dwelt in him. But it's not the works that we focus on as much as the one in me doing the works. 
See, we've got to focus on doing the works. But Jesus said, you're focused on the works. But you won't fully understand that, Philip, if you don't know it's the one in me doing the works. And even though we've said yes to the Holy Spirit, we try to do the works. And he's going, uh, I'm trying to go left. And you're leading right. And you're frustrated because you want me to follow you. But you don't know where you're going. I know where you're going. Praise the Lord. So listen, this is one that was about following. This is leading. Leading means this. Using just enough pressure to give a signal. But not so much that you're pushing your partner around. If you're using force to move your partner, you're doing it wrong. So we're all like, come on, Holy Spirit. He won't push you around. He won't push you around. He wants to lead you. He wants to lead you. He wants to guide you. We have to practice sensitivity. We have to practice the embrace of the Holy Spirit, the presence. We know, most of us know the principles. We know the steps. We know about love and joy and peace. We know about patience. We know about kindness. We know about those things. Yet at times when things are hitting, we're not responding. We're pulling away. The Holy Spirit says, I want to pull you close. Let me pull you close. Give way. Yield to me. And I'll put those steps together that you've learned in the right order for the right rhythm of the day that you're in. And so when I say, say this, you'll speak as of the oracles of God. When I say, stretch forth my hand, signs and wonders will happen. When I say, open your mouth, words of wisdom and knowledge will flow. When I say, look at that, there will be a discerning. The Spirit's involved right there. When I say love that person who's unlovely, you'll move with me and find dynamic change. When I say let's go, it's a tough time. There's a lot of stress, but we're going to move in the area of peace. And all of a sudden, the peace that passes all understanding will guard your heart and mind. And we're not wishing for it. We're not wishing we could have peace in this stressful time. No, we're moving with the peace giver. Elijah, in a very difficult time in his life, he just had a great miracle, and then he's chased down by Jezebel. He gets in a cave. He's complaining to God. He's the only prophet left in the world, trying to figure out what the next thing for his life is. I mean, great miracle. What a great rhythm. God was with him. He said, you go, and he called fire down from heaven. One minute, he's calling fire down from heaven, cutting off all the heads of the prophets of Baal, and the next minute, he's running from Jezebel. It's like, whoa, what a different rhythm of life. But he ends up asking God, and God says, just come, come to the door of the cave for a minute. Boy, here comes a wind. All kinds of activity. God wasn't in the wind. He said, then the earth shook, but God wasn't in the earthquake. And then a fire came by, but God wasn't in the fire. And then a still, small voice. He's not pushing you around. He's leading you with signals. A little pressure here. A little different movement there. A little signal come unto me. And we learn to follow that every single day. The rhythms of life will change. And the stumbling will cease. And the joy of the movement of the Spirit of God will come into your heart. And there will be a joy of flowing with Him. There will be an experience of movement. 
There'll be a joy, a splendor. What's been black and white will come to color with him. But he said to me, I said, there's people struggling. They're following you. He said, no, I can't get my people to follow me. Not chase after me, but follow my lead like a ballroom dancer. So the kingdom of God might just be like ballroom dancing. Father, we thank you. We praise you. And we magnify you. Oh, Holy Spirit. I ask you to minister to every heart and every life. Make us more aware of your presence, your movements, your voice every single day. That when we leave from here, we are practicing Practicing, practicing, moving with you through all of the rhythms of our life, all the changes, all the different songs as it were, you can effortlessly, strongly move to every rhythm, every beat of life and bring us through. So we thank you for that. Pray that you'll help each one of us, guide us, direct us. Stir in every heart the ability to trust you and to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we're running a little bit late. Sorry about that. Um, Just know that message uh, we needed to finish. All right. So. We uh, have our fifth grade graduates in the foyer, and they're going to come in right now. So give them a hand as they come in. (laughs) Praise the Lord and our children's church ministers and leaders are with them. about a three-minute video here uh, for you to watch.
So we take this time out at this time of year with our fifth graders um, because we believe that there are milestones in all of our life. There are places we could call them turning point moments as that's been something in our theme for this year, but to understand that there are, there are marked out periods of time called milestones, accomplishments when you're hiking or you're, you're running a race. There's markers there, mile markers to say you've gone this far. And those milestones are incredibly important in our lives. Uh, but this particular milestone, I think, is incredibly important for our, our fifth graders as they come out. Many times we don't understand it as we're looking at youth and different things in our culture. You know, we can just look at that and go, you know, wow, what's, what, what's with them? But they're in, a, they're in a position right now, even as a church, as we watch this graduation, I want you to take note. We put their faces up there because I want you to, to know them. I want you to do your best to remember their faces. I want you to, when you remember, you see them or you're down, uh, you know, they'll, they'll be in service with us more. That when you see them, you're praying for them because they're coming at an incredible uh, point in time in their life, a great transition. If you remember uh, going from whether you were middle school, I was junior high, uh, or, or elementary, I mean, uh, into junior high or middle school. What a change. What a change. Uh, there's so many different changes that take place. They're moving from childhood to adolescence, young adulthood. And there's a lot of change, significant change for them. A lot of thinking, a lot of processing in their bodies, in their minds, and everything that's going on. This is a significant milestone this graduation in their life where they are. We do it as a church to say they've gone not just through children's church and accomplished that, but it is a point in time that is a milestone that we recognize, and as a church, we pray for them. And they'll move from the, the, the setting of children's church into youth group, which is different. And they'll go from, you know, uh, they'll come from being the oldest and the most mature to being the youngest. And, uh, much older than them, the seniors in high school. and We pray that they'll all join together in such a way that the olders are mentoring the youngers and they mesh together, but it's a, it's a great difference in their life. And they're not just going to be down at children's church. They're going to be sitting with you, hearing the word of God on Sunday morning. That got quiet. Wait a minute. I didn't know that. Milestones. Times of change. So it's just a great time uh, for us to acknowledge, to celebrate with them, uh, but to recognize this is a milestone for them, that we as a church pray for them in this transition of their life because they're moving from childhood to adolescence right into adulthood. And uh, I believe that God wants to order their steps. And uh, there will be a lot of different philosophies and pressures that come. And so we support them in the plan that God has for their life. Amen. So as they come across, I just want you to have that in your thinking, as well as just celebrating. They're graduating. They're moving on to a new thing uh, uh, in their life, but, uh, and that's a great thing, but also to pray for them in the next phase of their lives. So, Pastor Tasha, if you'll come. Audrey Garcia. Congratulations. 
Elizabeth Kelly. Got your own cheering section. Congratulations. Annabelle Rubin. There you go. Congratulations. Jonathan Serbu. Congratulations. Henry Slothkies. Congratulations. Easton Snowden. Congratulations, buddy. All right, we're going we're gonna to have a photo. Yes, we will. I think we're... Adam? All right. Y'all stay right here. We want to pray for you. Leaders, help me pray. Why don't y'all stand up, stretch your hands out here. So we pray over them. Father, we just thank you so much. Father, from the very, uh, very beginning, you have had a plan for their lives. We thank you at this point of transition in their life. Holy Spirit, that you lead them and you guide them. I thank you. You strengthen each one of these young men and women. God, you lead them into the things that you have for them. That you bring an awareness to their hearts and to their minds of how close you are to them in every situation. That you give them ears to hear what you're saying as you guide them. Because there's many voices that will be around them, many ideas, many thoughts. That you speak clearly into their hearts, the direction that you have, that very thing that they've been dedicated unto since they were babies. I thank you, Father, for the fulfillment of your call in their life. Help them to navigate with wisdom the direction that you have for them in their generation. Make them lights in their generation. Grant unto them boldness to stand forth as that light. Give their parents wisdom and understanding concerning this day, the transition that's taking place in their sons' and their daughters' lives, that by the wisdom of God, they might help them and direct them and guide them in the way that they should go. That as they continue to grow older, they'll never depart from it. We command blessing upon them as they move forward in their life. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 John. Praise the Lord. You all can... Be seated back in your seats. And John Piccinati is coming to make an announcement. Thank you, Pastor Mark. And 
Thank you, fifth grade graduates. And I just wanted to let you know that we're very excited. We do have youth on Sunday night, if you did not know that. So if you're a parent or a student between the age of upcoming sixth grade through graduated senior, uh, come join us. And just so you know, we got done finishing a series called Invited. And what that was about was about your calling. Because if you look at the Greek, it actually means invitation. And at the end of the series, we made out invitations for people we'd love to see at youth. And each one of your names, graduating fifth grade students, is on our wall. And we're praying for you. And we have a gift for you tonight, specifically for you and the whole family. Your family can come and we're going to have pizza. You can learn about the youth group. And I'm so excited, my wife, myself, and the youth team, and all the students, that you're called to NCC Youth Group, and I'm expecting great things for you. So we hope to see you and your families tonight. Uh, that's it. Thanks, Pastor Mark. Praise the Lord. So moms, dads, fifth graders, youth group tonight. Praise the Lord. All right, fifth graders, you can be dismissed back over the children's campus, moms and dads are going to be back there just to keep all the, the uh, things in order. And you all can stand. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. God is good. I have a prayer cloth we need to pray over. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. If you need prayer for healing in your body, raise your hand. Anybody you need healing in your body? Over there, over there. Praise the Lord. If you're a believer, not a doubter, if you're a believer... Just find somebody with their hand up. We're going to pray. I believe the Spirit of God is present right now. The power of God's present concerning healing. Find somebody with their hand up. Thank you, Lord. We're going to pray over this prayer, prayer cloth. We're going to pray. The Bible says, Jesus said, as we believe in him, he said, these signs will follow them that believe. And one of those is they lay hands on the sick, and the sick recover. So, Father, we thank you right now. For the blood of the Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for the moving of the Spirit of God. That as believers lay hands upon these with symptoms, sickness, disease or pain in their body. Whether it's muscles, joints, tendons, ligaments, allergies, lumps, bumps, tumors, growths. Things that have to do with their organs, their nervous system, whatever it is, you paid the price. You took our infirmity. You bore our sicknesses. You took stripes upon your back, and your word declares that by your stripes, we are healed. And so we declare and command a flow of healing power to flow through and from these believers into the bodies of those who are ailing, weak, in pain, or have symptoms of sickness and disease, the, the anointing goes into those bodies, searching out the very source, the very root of the pain, 
the sickness, the fatigue, the lack of movement, the growth, source of the allergies begins to cause an effect and a cure. We pray over this cloth that the anointing would saturate this cloth. That it is brought to this one who is ailing. He's been diagnosed with that disease. That you're greater. That you're greater. That your anointing is greater. That miracle working power is at work today, causing an effect and a cure in their body. That as this cloth comes in contact, there's a release of the anointing into their body to search out the very root, the very cells that have been affected and bring life to all their cells and destroy those that bring death. Command life, command health, command strength. God, where our thoughts, our attitudes, our words have been detrimental, show us, teach us how to respond to you in the proper way that we might live in health, live in strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Say this as we go. What God did in Christ Jesus, far exceeds any damage done to me by Adam's fall. You can be dismissed. Make it a great day. We'll see you at 6 o'clock tonight.